0: You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our, on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now, here is today's message. One thing I've known about the Lord is he's never in a hurry even though we are, (laughs) Uh, I'm like, Lord, I got to preach this message. We don't have time for all this, but he's never in a hurry. And we should never be in too big of a hurry where we don't meet with him. That's why I've been doing uh, these 21 days of prayer together. And it's just, it's just taking time away to realize who he is in our life and to reconnect with him and to really know who he is. And that's another reason why we're diving into Isaiah 53, uh, digging deep into Isaiah 53, so that we get reacquainted with Jesus. That's what I feel like God wants us to do this year as a church, is to get reacquainted with who he is, why he came, what he came to do, and who we are in him. And so as we're diving into Isaiah 53, our prayer is that we realize more and more who Christ is in our life and who we are in him. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 53, uh, we, we're also going to have it up there. So this has been a long reading. So what we've been doing every, every Sunday is we've been reading this scripture passage together. Um, and so it's been getting a little awkward. So I'm, uh, I'm going to try something a little different today because we don't have a little bouncing ball, you know, so people can't, you know, fasten and, and slower. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read the odd number verses and you're going to read the even number verses. So I'm going to be the odd one and you're going to be the even one, right? so we're going to read this together because it's important to understand what the scripture is and how to move forward in it. And so I just want to go ahead and read this passage. So if you want to stand, we're going to stand for the reading of the word. I know you've been standing for a long time, but I promise you, you get to sit soon. So we're going to read this together. I'm going to start and you go to the next verse and and the evens. I believe it's even bolded there for you to kind of help you keep track of it. So here we go, ready or not. See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they had not been told, and they will understand what they have not heard about. Who has believed our message to whom the Lord revealed his powerful arm? He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep is silent before the shears, He did not open his mouth. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord who did the to crush him and cause him grief. Then when his life is made an offer of sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord who did will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied, and because of his experience... My righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, and for he will bear all of their sins. I he himself He was counted among the rebels. Thank you, Father, for your word. Lord, I pray that you would open my mouth to speak your words today, God, that you've already plowed the hearts today, God. You've already softened the ground for your word to penetrate, God, for the hearts to hear, to understand, for the ears to hear, for their eyes to see what you're doing. God, I pray that you would just move in this service, God, already you have, but Lord, that your word would finish the work. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. Good job, Class. Oh, I'm so glad that you guys are here. Welcome to Waterhouse Church. We're so glad you're here. Hey, I just have a few quick things before I get into the the, the part of the message. Um, If you're a first-time guest here, or you've been here for a long time and you've never connected with us, we would love to get to know you. And so we have some several ways to connect, but the best way is to text our text number, 817-803-3131. Text the word CONNECT to that number, and we'll get you a little... uh, uh, Form to fill out, and we'll get you some stuff in the mail. Send you a gift in the mail. Just say thank you for visiting today. Also on the front of your chairs, there's some links for you as well as far as giving and all that stuff. Also, we've asked people ask, how do we give around here? I don't really talk about it a lot, but there is some boxes in the back if you would like to to give towards the offering today. So, uh, thank you guys for being here. It's an honor to be here, and it's going to be good. And we're going to dive deep into today uh, into the message. You know, when I was growing up, there was. there was a tree out in McGratton Park. It's still there, the big old cottonwood tree. Maybe you know it if you've ever been to McGratton Park, that big old cotton tree that stands out there. It used to have this huge limb on it. But I remember when I was a kid, I would be propped up on that little limb and we'd sat on there and our family would gather around that tree. And that tree was so massive. It was the biggest thing I've ever seen, especially as a little kid, because you look up, it's like, wow, this is such a huge tree, it's amazing. And here I am, So many years later, as an adult, and I'm walking around the park and I see this tree again, and like so many memories flash back about times at the park, times with my family eating picnics, times with my cousin launching fireworks that we shouldn't be doing, but we're kids, you know, blowing things up, fishing, um, just having a good time at that park. All these things started flashing back and it all happened around that tree. It was something that kind of stood there on display inside of that park that reminded of the things past. And, that, and it's just a marker of all the good in my life in that, in that certain area, in that soil that I was in. And that tree, as big as it is and as huge as it is, it started one time as a small, tiny seed, right? It wasn't always that big. I don't know how many hundreds of years it took for it to get that big, but it took a while for it to become what it is. And right now around uh, Parker County, around maybe your home, you're seeing oak trees sling off these acorns, right? Little acorns. And this acorn is, well, it's a seed, right? But it's also has the potential to be a great oak tree, right? But also more than that, it has the potential to become a forest. You never know how many trees are contained within one seed, and inside this seed is a potential to grow an entire forest and to even become greater than we can ev- ever think. And Isaiah is getting here in this passage. He's using some, some brilliant poetic terms to, to open up to us the possibility of who Jesus is. He's speaking to us in an agricultural way. He's saying here in verse 2, My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root and dry ground. He's saying that Jesus is the servant he's talking about, the Messiah, the Christ is coming, and he's coming in a way that you wouldn't think possible. Because you think that a a king or 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 even the Christ would come out of the clouds, like rip open the clouds, come down and say, here I am, take over, right? Rule everything. But Jesus was coming in a different way. He was being planted in the ground, being grown up, He's using this imagery of a plant, of each tree, and he's explaining to us of how the Messiah is coming and who the Messiah is. And so it's very important for us to understand this this passage. And that's what we're really in today is verse two. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root and dry ground. This poetic language is is helping us understand this passage a little deeper and who Jesus is a, a whole lot deeper. Because who he is, Jesus, and how he is and why he is that's what Isaiah is trying to explain to us today. Isaiah is giving us a glimpse into the person and work of Christ 700 years before his arrival. This prophecy was 700 years spoken before Jesus actually showed up in the flesh. That's how, when we get to this verse, it opens everything else else up to us. He springs up out of nowhere, right? Out of, out of, out of, uh, we just did the Christmas story, right? We just did the Christmas story and we talked about how Jesus came and he was born as a baby in a little manger. And he was so innocent and he was so fragile. Isaiah is saying he's coming like that, a tender green shoot that can be easily plucked. But he came to display his power and to display God with us. He uses our cultural language to speak to a culture that understands it. And he speaks to us in a way that we can understand it. And I pray that as we move into the rest of this message that the Lord speaks to you in a way that you can understand, despite what I say. (laughs) But he speaks to you. And so we see what happens here in this passage that he's going to come. He's going to be planted. He's going to grow up in the presence of God. And he's going to be on display. He's going to be a servant. Notice the very beginning of the passage says, my servant, my servant is going to come. And he's going to grow up in the Lord's presence like a green shoot like a root in dry ground. He's planting this seed of the Messiah in the dirt. It's gonna grow up in his presence, and it's gonna be on display. I'm gonna keep repeating this over and over because it applies to us. He's planted, he grows, and he's on display. He's there for a reason. This imagery, this, this term of a root, really goes back to Isaiah chapter 11. And if you go back to Isaiah chapter 11, you understand more of what he's saying here in Isaiah 53. You understand what the root is. He says this. He goes, out of the stump of David's family, this is King David, will grow a shoot. There's that green shoot term, right? Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from an old root. Here's the root. The root is King David. And the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him in the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. <laughs> Isaiah is explaining here how the Messiah is coming and and how it's going to be like a shoot out of, like out of nowhere, out of the deepest, darkest, hardest place, the Messiah is going to come. Out of the driest place, hope will rise. In the deadlands, the wastelands, life will appear. A new tree will rise and give life to all people. The father is planting the tree of life, but not in a garden but in a place where the soil is hard and seemingly unfit for anything to grow. He's talking about the nation of Israel, the nation that seemed to be just a patch of worthless ground was about to give birth to someone who would change the course of history. Out of, seemingly insignificant, out of a seemingly insignificant city or region, he's coming from Galilee of the Gentiles, a non-Jewish settlement. Uh, in, a, in a, a village in Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's just a place where nobody goes. That's the shadowy place, like in you know, Lion King. Nobody goes there. Don't go there. Nazareth, what good comes from Nazareth? But we see that God's about to bring something amazing out of dry ground. And for you today, I want you to know that it doesn't matter how hard the soil is in your life. It doesn't matter how deep or how dark you think your life is. God can still plant something in you that can grow. And I think we count so many people out because they're so hard to the gospel and they don't listen to, to what you say or they don't even pay attention to how you live. And we write them off and say, well, they can't ever come to Christ. They can never give their life to Jesus. But I'm telling you, this passage is saying that God can do amazing things and he can do whatever he wants to do. That he can plant a seed in the hardest, deepest, deadest soil, and life can grow from it. In your life, God can do that in your life. He can plant a seed in your life, and it will grow into something magnificent, something amazing, something huge, something that will just blow the minds of the people around you. God can plant his life into you, and you can grow in him, and you can become like a tree on display. But often, we don't live up to that because we don't know who we are in him. We don't know that Jesus came to set us free, that Jesus came to give us new life, that Jesus came to give us a new life, not just a better life, a new life. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus, uh, this is a story of when Jesus came and he legitimizes his mission on this earth. So he rose up to Nazareth, his boyhood home, in verse four, chapter 4, verse 16. And he went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood to read the scriptures. So he goes in there all the time. The scroll of the Isaiah, the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, and that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free. And that the Lord, the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then he rolled the scroll up, handed it back to the tenant, sat down, and all eyes were looking at him intently. And he said this, the scripture you've just read, heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus is saying all the things that Isaiah wrote, I'm him. We learned this last week, that Jesus. there is no B.C., There's no such thing as before Christ. Christ has always been. He's always been here. He's always been working. And and Jesus is revealing himself now to these people saying, I've been in your hometown. I've been growing up here. You haven't realized who I am, but now I'm telling you who I am. I'm the root. I'm the branch. I am all the things that Isaiah prophesied about. I am he, the one that's come, and I have come to give you life. I am the tree of life, and I've come to plant that same life into you. I have come to sow life into this world. That's why Jesus came. He came to sow life into the world around us. And his body and his blood were the delivery system. But here's the issue, we couldn't have new life. Here's why we needed new life. Because the old life was bad, because we came from a seed that was bad. Like Jesus came to plant new seed, but the seed that grew us, the seed that who we are, was bad. See, in the garden of our souls, there was something growing in us and it was called the seed of Adam. Adam's failure marked all of us and we are held captive by sin and the sin of selfishness. Isaiah's imagery here is dead on. He's saying something new has to arise from the dead thing. Something new has to arise from the dead thing to give life. We need a tree to get new life from. The old tree we're getting life from isn't working. In the garden, Adam and Eve ate from the what? The tree of? No, it's the knowledge of good and evil. See, we're always eating from this tree. And this tree never produces anything good because this tree always thinks about self. I I get to determine what's good. I get to determine what's right. My knowledge of good and evil. What's good in my eyes, what's right in my eyes. What's evil in my eyes. We're eating from the same tree expecting a different result, but we're never going to get it because the tree's bad, because it came from a bad seed. We need a new tree. We need some new seed. Adam, In Romans chapter 5, the writer of Romans really explains this and breaks this down for us about this idea of, of coming from a bad seed and being reborn into something new. Romans 5.12 says this, when Adam sinned, and this is why we're all messed up, right? Thank you, Adam. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. It's like, wait a minute, I didn't sin. Well, sin's in you. It, it, you inherited it. Just like I have brown eyes, and my, and my wife has brown eyes, so guess what? All my kids have brown eyes. Now, there's a chance they could have blue or green, but they inherited that from me. And so we inherited that sin nature from Adam. We didn't have a choice. Here's the problem. We can only produce who we are. See, it's the law of God that each one would produce after its own kind. You can plant corn, but you're, you're, you're going to get corn. You're not going to get rice, right? You can plant rice, but you're not going to get cabbage. You're not going to wake up one day and go out there and say, oh, my gosh, there's cabbage in my garden. How did that happen? I planted rice. It's not going to happen because each seed produces its own kind. Same thing with us. Adam seed produced Adam in us, sin in us. We needed a new seed. We needed a new operating system. So Matthew 7, Jesus talks about this law of God, about seed producing after its own kind. He says, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, but a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Just in case you don't know this. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Just just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. So here's the thing. No matter how hard we try, without Christ, we only produce selfishness. We only produce sinful activity. We We only produce things that aren't good, even when we're trying to be good. Even when we try to do good, we don't do good because we don't think about, or we always, actually, we always think about ourselves, even when we do do good. If I give somebody something, I'm doing good, but I'm thinking, man, how good am I that I'm able to give this person some stuff? Look at me. And then I, I post it on social media, helping the homeless today. But it's still Selfish. Because I'm wanting people to recognize me and, and fill my tank of affirmation because look how good I am. But even, in my, even, even when I'm trying to do good, I'm doing evil. And often we do good just trying to impress people. So that's a bad motive, right? That's kind of harsh, but that's how we are. It's our own selfishness. We're always working out of selfishness. We're always trying to look good. I actually look better than everybody else because if everybody else is bad, that means I'm good. If I look better than them, at least then I'm, I'm okay. But that's not how it works. The standard isn't somebody next to me and how good they look. The standard is Jesus. He's the standard. How do you look compared to Jesus? Line yourself up to Jesus and see how you look. Very crooked. People aren't the standard. You can't look at somebody and go, well, at least I'm not as bad as them. At least my marriage isn't as bad as theirs. At least my kids aren't as rotten as their kids. And then you feel good about yourself. That's selfish. (laughs) That's sinful. It's pride disguising itself as humility. And we all know what pride does. Get you kicked out of heaven. So here's the problem. We have a disease called sin. It has affected every branch of our life. And the problem with that is, is everybody is forced to eat the fruit of ourselves. And that fruit is bitterness, anger, rage, selfishness. Everybody gets a taste of it, whoever we're around, because that's what we produce. And we can't help it because we're just being who we are. That's why we need to be fixed. That's why God's got to do something different in us. He's got to cut us down and plant something new. If a tree is diseased and you can't fix it, what do you do with it? You can't do anything with it. You just cut it down and burn it, right? You got it good for anything else. And so you cut it down, burn it, and you plant another tree, hoping that that tree will grow and and produce something good. And that's what Jesus does. He came, he cut himself down so that we may live. He planted something new within us. He planted something new in the world. He gave us a new operating system, a new way to be. Jesus is a new tree from an old root. Passage, we read. We need a new tree to be planted in our souls because Adam's seed, tainted with sin, was planted. But Jesus' seed, he's the second Adam, was full of righteousness. Romans 5 dives into that. 518, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life, a what? New life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Adam messed up and his seed spread to everyone. Jesus came, he obeyed the Lord, and he gave us a new seed. He gave us a new tree to eat from. That's why Jesus came, the way he did. He had to get in the soil. He had to get in the dirt. He had to be planted in the hard place so that his life would shine and grow and that we would see his glory. Jesus came the way he did so we would know him. and the hard, and the dry, and the dead places. Jesus came to grow. He came to plant the kingdom in us. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells this parable. He goes, here's another illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in the field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and the birds come and make nests on its branches. Smallest thing, mustard seed makes the biggest thing in the garden. And the the birds get to relax in the leaves. Do you know you're the field that he's talking about there? You're the field. You're the field and he sows his seed into you and you grow, something grows deep within you and it sprouts up and there you are. Out of the hard place, out of the dry place, out of the dead place comes life. And it blooms up. As a pastor, that's the biggest joy we get is to watch people get that. It's to watch God plant a seed in the hardest, driest, deadest place in people's lives and to see that grow up and produce fruit. I'm looking at all of you guys, and there's so many stories in here of people just coming here down and out, beat up, done with life. God grabs a hold of them, cuts the old tree down, puts a new tree in them, and they grow into something magnificent for God, for his display. It's not for them. It's for them. They're like, man, what's in you? Jesus is in me. He's in me. It's amazing. You're different. What's in you, Jesus? I got a new tree. You want to eat some? I have some new fruit. Isaiah 61. I'm going to read this passage. And it's the one that Jesus read. And it really explains why he came, what he came to do, and what happens to us. Jesus read this passage. Remember this, Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. We're about to see an exchange here. I'm going to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of, of despair. Jesus is coming. Give me all of that. Give me your mourning. Give me your despair. Give me your grief, and I'm going to give you something in return. I'm going to give you beauty. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you joy. I'm going to give you praise. What's he doing? He's giving us new fruit. He's giving us new fruit. And then he says, when Jesus does all this, they, that's us, believers, we will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. He's saying Jesus is coming to plant us, to sow seeds of the kingdom into us, and he's gonna, we're, the Lord's going to watch over us with his presence, we're going to grow into him, and then we are going to be on display for his splendor. That's the believer's life. That's what he's done for us. We are now trees of righteousness. Do you know that you're righteous? Not like righteous, bro, but righteous. <laughs> like you're really right. Do you look in the mirror and say, man, I'm righteous. I am right with God. I am clean and pure and honorable in God's sight. I'm righteous. Like, there's nothing wrong with me because Jesus has cleansed me and he's made me right. Do you look in the mirror and say that? Or do you look in the mirror and go, man, I'm so dirty. I'm so junky. I don't, I don't even know why I woke up this morning. Maybe you need a view, new view of who you are. If you've given your life to Jesus, he's cleansed you and made you right. You're righteous. You're an oak of righteousness. Not some piddly little mountain cedar that pollinates and makes everybody sick. I hate those things. You're an oak of righteousness on display for his splendor. That's what Jesus was. He was on display for for the Lord's splendor. He came and he was planted in the soil. He came and he allowed God to put him in this place. Would you imagine what would happen if Jesus said, I don't want to be planted in that soil? That soil is dirty. I don't like those people. They don't even follow you. Why why are you going to send me to the nation of Israel? Why are you going to put me in this place? Couldn't you send me somewhere else? But he didn't reject it because he knew that something beautiful was going to grow out of that, that that hard, hard soil was ripe for his coming. And he came, he lived his life. God planted him in Israel. He lived his life. He preached the gospel, he healed the sick. He died on the cross for us, he was lifted up on display. On display for who? For the Lord's splendor. That item, that cross, that that stick, that that tree that he was on, was meant to humiliate and destroy his life. It was a sign of humiliation. It's funny that we have it in church and we wear it on our you know, our necklaces. It's a it's an instrument of death. But because of Jesus' life, he took that instrument of death and he made a new life out of it. And now it's a symbol of hope, affirmation, and eternity. He was lifted up for, our, for the Lord's splendor. He was planted on the tree for us. And that's what he does for us. He plants us in the soil. He plants his word. He plants the gospel in our hearts in this hard, deep soil. I'm telling you, sometimes we think that nothing can penetrate this. Believe me, I was that person. I sat there for years. The Lord's like trying to put this seed in me. And I'm like, mm, get that away. Nope, I don't want it. Don't want it. Don't want it. The soil kept rejecting it. But eventually, the Lord started plowing that up, pulling the rocks out, pulling the weeds up. Got a big, nasty plow that's really hard and mean, and he plowed my heart. And then I was able to receive it because I had to go through some really, really tough times for that soil to break up. And then the, the seed came in. And it sprouted a little bit, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And now I see myself, man, I'm an oak of Righteousness. I am on display for his splendor. It's not about my life, it's about his life. Live through me. He's living through me, and that's what he wants to do in your life. He wants you to be an oak of righteousness on display for his splendor. Don't reject the seed, let him plant it in your heart, but also let him grow you. Keep in his presence. Isaiah says, "In the Lord's presence, you got to keep in His presence. You got to stay deep in prayer. You got to stay connected to the Father. Right? You have to. It's called abiding. It's abiding in Him, and He waters you and you grow. Get in His presence. Stay in His presence. Don't leave His presence. Don't be too busy, guys. Let Him grow you, and let Him display you. But here's the problem: so often God wants to plant us in a place, but we're rejecting the soil around us because we don't like the way it is." I mean, think about your jobs. You hate going to your job sometimes. Like, I hate that soil. I hate that place. I don't want to go there. People are mean. Customers are mean. I'm the only one there that loves you, Jesus. Nobody else does. Right? But he's saying, no, I planted you there. I put you in that soil to what? To display who I am. Because people in that place need a safe person. They need to, to see who God is. It's like they walk into your, your business, your, your where you're working, like, wow, where'd this oak tree come from? Wow, it's amazing. Look how big that thing is. Oh, I love the shade. It's so hot outside. Build me a tree house. You're that oak. You're, that, you're on display for his splendor. You're there to shade people. Not to cash shade, but to shade people. Only the younger ones caught that one. <laughs> but to give shade to everyone. Don't reject the soil. Accept it. Jesus accepted the soil. He was glad. He asked the Father to help him. i telling you, no one's too, too dry. No one's too dead. No one's too lost for God to plant his seed in your heart. But yet we give up. I love what Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said. Do not say it's useless to preach down there or to send missionaries to the uncivilized country. How do you know? Is it very dry ground? Uh, Well, that is hopeful soil. That's hopeful soil because Christ is a root out of dry ground. And the more there is to discourage, the more you should be encouraged. I'm telling you, some of the hardest people to reach for the gospel, once they got it, they became the most powerful people in the kingdom. C.S. Lewis, he's one of them. That's good soil. That's more that God can do through them. And when they get you, read it the other way. Is it dark? Then all is fair for a grand show of light. The light that never, that will never seem so bright as when the night is very, very dark. The darker the night, the brighter the light. And in your soul right now, I pray that God shines his light in your heart and that you know who he is. And that's what God does with us. He takes the seed, he plants us. He grows us in his presence and he puts us on display. And that's what he wants to do in your life today. If you let him, if you let him, don't reject the soil. Stay in his presence. Let him use you in an amazing way. Amen. Christian, if you want to come up, I have a ministry activity for you, something to help you remember, because um, we need this sometimes. Up here, there's a bucket of assorted acorns. Some are big, some are small. But every one of them has potential. And, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to, to take an acorn, really ask the Lord, God, where, did you, where have you planted me? where have you planted me? Where do you want me to grow? Where do you want me to display who you are? Maybe it's your work, students, maybe it's at school, parents, it's at home. Where has God placed you to be an oak tree of righteousness in that place? Where's the soil that he placed you? Maybe ask the Lord, God, where have I been rejecting the soil? Where have I been complaining about where you put me instead of seeing the opportunity that's in front of me? Instead of complaining about my workmates saying, God, I'm going to pray for my workmates. I'm going to love them even though they hate me and they eat my lunch. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to be an oak of righteousness. Ask the Lord, where is that? Where is that place? If I get the ministry team to come up as well. This is going to be twofold. So I ask you to come, get an acorn, and ask the Lord, Lord, where are you planting this oak of righteousness? And take it with you. Put it in your pocket. Put it at work. Put it at home. Find a place to be reminded that you are an oak of righteousness on display for his splendor, that Jesus came to give you new life, a new tree, a new seed, a new opportunity, a new life full of joy and peace and love, and mercy. If you're not living those things, maybe you're eating from the wrong tree. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus so he can plant a new tree in you, that you may have new life and that you may be different and have purpose and meaning. So I don't know what you need today. Maybe you just need to come get a seed and you're done and you speak to God and that's, that's good. But maybe you need a little bit more. Maybe you need some help. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you Maybe you need healing today, I don't know. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to recommit to Jesus. Maybe you're just lost. You're like, I don't know which way to go. I just feel out in the middle of an island and I feel by myself and I don't know if anybody cares. I want you to know there's people here that love you. So the challenge is to come get an acorn and if you want, I, I would encourage you to go speak to one of our ministry team. They're going to pray with you. They're going to speak life over you, and they're going to give you direction. You can trust these people. They're trained, and they're prayed up, and they love you. So let's stand together. Father God, I pray that as Christian leads us in this song, Lord, that people would come up and grab a seed and ask you, Lord, where are you planting me? Where are you planning me to display Jesus? And Lord, I pray that they would allow themselves to be rooted in you, to be grown by your presence and to be on display for you in that place, God. That good things would come out of them, good fruit. And Lord, I pray for everyone that needs prayer right now, that they would come up and get prayer. God, that you would heal, that you would set free, that you would liberate. That every darkness would flee in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord what you're doing, we're thinking what what you're going to do. Come on up.